Let's do it. Good morning, and thanks for listening. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us calls? And, of course, if you have a cell phone, I just want to know, get you right straight at the top of our list. That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call, oh, also. Oh, yeah. Got every line wide smacking open, and we'll get you right on in there and spend a little time with you. There you go. Get your questions answered thoroughly. You know, if you call towards the end of the show, and I've got three or four people holding and we're just about out of time kind of gotta give you the bums rush there that, that <laughs> you the abbreviated form you know, the short form that or you may not even <laughs> get your question answered well and that happens a lot too folks are holding when the show goes off and of course when 11 o'clock comes you know boom, that's it you're out of here you're getting a swift boot <laughs> <laughs> so give us a call right now that'd be a good time get you in there and get your questions answered give you a little free advice point you in the right direction there you go in case you don't get a chance to call in of course there are other options for you that's right you something happens think maybe something after the show goes off the air right. today or maybe during the week you can always get your questions answered at our website the address is www.agcoauto.com that's a-g-c-o-a-u-t-o Com. Easy way to remember that's Altazan's Garage Company. I believe there's a contact bar on every page and send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and you get that back in 24 hours. But make sure you use the form it's on the site because we have a special program that kind of weeds out the old forms. Well, and it reads spam. out anything that doesn't come from that website simply because I was getting literally thousands of emails a day and just no way I could possibly read them all. So when you go to the website and use that form, it's going to attach a code to that email and it's going to allow it to come through that day now unfortunately if you go back to an old email and try to reply it's You're just going to boot yeah it, just, it sends it to a junk bin because i just don't have time to sort through all of them but if you use a fresh form each and every time it'll definitely get to me and i don't ever ever ignore email so if you hadn't gotten an answer back from me either it's not on the right form or the you might address check your email address make sure you type right. the right email address in there if i hit the button and it pops back to me there's just nothing i can do as far as i can go but Always, always answer every email, so just go ahead and send them to me. be glad to answer, and just in case you don't like emailing people or whatever, you can also go to the vehicle questions. There's over a 1,000 of those in there that have already been answered, short, to the point type of a question. All right, and there's also the vehicle Detailed topics. Detailed topics. <laughs> Boy, I lost that, it. That's just hard to remember. Man. For some reason, I have the same problem. You know, I thought this guy was getting old, but you younger than me, you have the same problems. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm getting old, too. That's right. Detailed topics is going to be a much, much larger article on a specific topic. For instance, one went on there this morning on check engine lights. That's, a good, that's a good article. Yeah, because it's probably one of the most misunderstood topics there is out there. We constantly, constantly get questions from people, and... We get people who come in the shop, and you can just tell from the way they're talking that they don't have any clue the way this works. Right. And one of the most common things we hear is, well, well my light was on, but it went back off, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand why the light comes on and goes off. And that's the title of this actual article is why check engine lights come on and go off. <laughs> yeah. Because they do, and there is a logical reason for that. It does not mean the car is fixed. It's just the way the system operates. If you read this article, you'll find out a whole lot of information about that and other things. For instance, what is a readiness test? Why, if you clear the codes, can you still not get an inspection sticker? That's some great questions. Yeah. This is probably one of the longer articles on the site. I started writing it, and I kept trying to pare it down to just the pertinent information, and it's probably... <laughs> About twice as long as a normal article that I put on there. Right. So much information. Hey, you've got so many things that can turn that light on. That's right. And it's only one light. Yeah, and I was trying to keep it to just the rudimentary Correct. You know, 
the fundamental parts of it, because I don't want to get into all the different, you know, mode six data and yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people don't really care to hear about all that stuff just because they're not ever going to use it in their lifetime. But it's a good, good general overview. It's not a technical piece. It's a good piece I think that almost anybody could understand. Get a good understanding of what that check engine light means, what it's checking, what it's trying to tell you. Correct. And, of course, there's tons of other information on there. We put one last week on why vehicles lean, and that's a pretty common problem that you see where the vehicle is lower on one side than the other. And some people wonder, hey, why is my car leaning? I've had them change shock absorbers trying to fix that, and they bring it in with a brand-new set of shocks, the car's still leaning. Right. Well, <laughs> okay, I could have told you that. <laughs> and the worst part of it would be you bring your car in to get aligned, the guy unknowingly aligns the car with it leaning. Well, that's right. You get it back, and you notice, wait a minute, that car looks like it's leaning to me. Yeah. So you figure out what's wrong, you get it leveled out, then you got to get it realigned right. because all of the specifications yeah. and Everything settings have changed. Everything in alignment is based on level. And exactly. if the car is leaning or if the car is starting to lean and it gets worse, all your alignment and everything else is going to change. That's right. Drastically. In fact, I was looking at a Chevy pickup the other day, and it's got a torsion bar on it. Correct. Where you can adjust for some leaning and some height differences and stuff like that. And big warning decal on that torsion bar. Warning, turning this will affect alignment. So I was right. glad to see they put that on there. <laughs> I've seen a million times where folks will go in, oh, I want to pick my truck up a little bit. And they'll just crank those bars up and not think anything else about it. Go drive down the road, drives fine because you change both tires the same amount. It's both out, pulling both ways now, so it's That's going right. straight. Just scalp a set of $300 mud grips. <laughs> yeah, and, and don't understand why. Yeah, oh, Lord. <laughs> At least I know why I just blew 900 bucks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah good, tons and tons of good information. Of course, you can go in there and vote for your favorite automotive idol. Right. I think Blue Delta, Singer, old Delta 88. is still, still in, on top. Huh? He's got a narrow lead. His lead is yeah, all and Yeah, up, everybody huh? else is, is getting a lot more votes these days. So go in there, cast your vote for that. Lots of other good things. A contest in there where you can win a free Agco T-shirt. Man, I'm just trying to think of all the different things on there. It's <laughs> well, there's the photo gallery. We there is a talking about it lately. Right, and I have been updating that, adding more information to it. In fact, we put a new site management content management program online last weekend but we had some problems with it so i had to take it back off revert back to the old program okay some of the links weren't working properly so it was really fouling us up when you click on your links it would just give you an error message and all your links on google and all weren't corresponding so hmm. they're still trying to work that out and we'll probably so have that back up. up yeah back up and running here at some point but it's back to the old thing now that went in and updated our server because we were getting so much traffic on there it was starting to get a little slow All right and they went in and updated the server, I think, last night. And I got on this morning. It's, it's lightning fast now. So you click that button and you're there. Good. A lot of great information on that site. Oh, I guarantee you. I think you'll really like it. I'm sure you'll find something on there you like. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Pop on there. See what you think. I think you'll really like it. We're going to go ahead and take a quick little break, but we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. That's the best. Sir, how did you get in here? I used my grappling hook and climbed in through the window. Well, as long as you have an appointment. Ah, yes, Mr. B-Wing. Uh, why are you stressed about your job? Doc, I live in an area with a high crime rate, and part of my duty is to fight that crime. But lately, it seems like every time I turn around, someone needs my help. It's like this bright light signaling. Bat, I mean, B-Wing, help us. Well, Mr. Wayne, there's not much I can do in regard to your crime-fighting dilemma. But if you want some peace of mind, bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They'll inspect your vehicle bumper to bumper and let you know where you stand. And these guys are honest? 
Years ago, they advised me not to fix a minor electrical problem that I could live with because it was too expensive. They sound like good people. Okay, I've got to go. <coughs> I sure wish he would use the door like a normal patient. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us calls? And, of course, with the river so high, right. uh, I guess flooding is kind of on everybody's mind to one extent or another. And hopefully we won't see any of that, but you never know. Well, that's it. You never know. And if we do start to get some flooding and even some minor flooding, there's a few things you have to kind of know when you start driving around water. Because cars are not submarines, and they're not designed not, to run through water at exactly. all in fact that's one of the most damaging things you can do to a car is to drive it through high water and i guess everybody's definition of high water varies yeah but generally if that water goes over the wheel or if the whole tire is underwater and it gets up to the metal part of the wheel that's high water and most people would not think any, think twice about running through that. No, we get that every time it rains here in Baton Rouge. That's right. But when you start running through water six, seven, even eight inches deep, you can start doing a tremendous amount of damage to your automobile. And, oh, definitely. of course, trucks are maybe a little bit more resistant to that than some cars are. But an awful lot of cars, the intake, the air intake is real low on the vehicle. And if you hit that water with any velocity and that water splashes up and it sucks into that air intake, it's going in the motor. You're done. You just bought an engine. That's right, because you're not going to compress that water. That's it. And if you take like a Honda or some of those vehicles, the dipstick is right in the very front of the transmission. You can suck water in through the dipstick hole. The vents are not much higher up than that. That's right. Plus, you've got problems with wheel bearings, water getting in the nose, and all those sorts of things. And the wheel bearing deal, it's not going to go out immediately. No, you're not going to run through the water, and then you when know, you get six, out, it's going to be whining. Six, eight months, maybe, you yeah, can start most, noticing a, a wheel bearing. Well, the water is going to suck past the seal. It's going to start mixing with the grease. It's going to emulsify the grease. And when it does, it no longer lubricates. So you're running metal on metal, and it's going to take a while for it to destroy the bearings. But wheel bearings now are not like the old days where you just pop a little cap off, take them apart, pack them in grease, put them back together. These are a sealed hub-bearing assembly for the most part. Costing anywhere from a cheap one is about $180, and expensive ones are five to $600 and per wheel. That's right. And it's four of them. <laughs> some of them you can unbolt from the hub, mm -hmm. and some of them have to take the whole knuckle off and, and take it to it a press. Mm -hmm. Press the components apart, press the components back together, put it back on the vehicle, and once you've taken it off, you should have it realigned. Well, you have to because you've taken the whole front end apart there. Some of your vehicles, yes, no. Mm -hmm. Some of them, definitely yes. Mm -hmm. That's right. So depending to, on how you take it apart. To be wise, you probably always need to at least have it checked. Exactly. We're talking about driving through the high water and, and such as that. I guess, folks, I've heard many, many times cars get towed in and the transmission is bad. And we drop the pan. And the first thing we find is a bunch of water in the pan. Right. And the transmission is just toast. I mean, there's nothing left to it. It's gone. And you ask them, you say, well, did you drive through high water? Oh, no, never. No, no, never, never. Well, some kind of way that water got in that pan. <laughs> That's right. And there, there's only two ways into that transmission. And generally, when they sit out, well, yeah, one time uh, there was this road down by the house. I did drive through there. You think that did it? Well, there you go. And, of course, the transmission is one way. It, excuse me, one thing. Right. Rear differentials. We see that a lot particularly on Ford products, 
some of like the Explorers. The one with the independent rear. Yeah, it's got a real funky vent on that rear end. And if you drive through water of any depth at all, probably a foot deep, you're going to have water in that rear differential. And like you said about the wheel bearing, it's not going to fail that day. That's right. It's going to fail down the road. And by the time you start to hear the whine and the roar, you're into about a twelve to two thousand dollars, twelve hundred to two thousand dollar repair, because you've eaten up all the bearings and possibly the gears. That's the big thing is the gears. The gear sets are expensive. It is, and Fords are a little more reasonable than some. I know, like Chevrolet and Chrysler, a set of gears can be seven to nine hundred dollars just for the part. Right. Fords are a little more reasonable because they had a lot of trouble with that, so they kind of lowered their price on them. Right. And you can buy some Ford gears for three, four hundred dollars, which is still a lot of. A lot of cheese in my book. <laughs> sure it is. Sure. For it, something that it, could have been avoided. Yeah, for something that could easily be avoided. So one of those things you just don't want to do. Let's try these phone calls again. We've got Bill online. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning, guys. Yes, good sir. morning. How difficult is it to change antifreeze in a Ford pickup? A Not very. Okay. Any secrets? Well, there's two different antifreeze that they use in there, Bill. One is yellow, kind of a pale yellow. It's called VC7B. The other one is green, which is just the regular old antifreeze like we've had for 10 million years. you got to get the right stuff back in there because they're totally different. They're both ethylene glycol, but the VC7B is an OAT-type coolant, so the corrosion protection strategy is totally different with it. And if you look on the coolant jug, there should be a sticker there that will tell you what goes in it. Mm -hmm. If it's not there, it's going to be kind of hard to decipher because the yellow usually turns black. Yeah, they, and so does the green. Yeah, they both kind of get nasty looking if they've been in there a long time. Right. Dark uh, looking. Yes, yeah, sir. So try to determine which one you got in there. Now, other than that, it's just a matter of draining it all out. If you can get to the engine blocks, drains, that's even better. The more coolant you get out, the better it's going to be. You can't ever get 100%, but if you can get a lot of it out of there, you're going to be way, way better off. The more you get, the better it's going to be. And the biggest tips, I guess, Bill, when you get ready to put this back in there, you're not going to be able to find the yellow in premix, I don't think. So you have to buy a gallon of coolant and get you a gallon or two of distilled water. Any All grocery it, store will yeah, have that. But you want to premix the coolant and the water before you pour it in the engine. Okay. That's the biggest mistake people make. They'll either dump the coolant in and pour the water on top, which it will not mix in the engine, or they'll pour the water in worse than put the coolant on top and it will not mix. Premix the coolant. Make sure you get it exactly 50-50. And then dump that in there. And that particular vehicle, I'm pretty sure, will... Uh, Ford pickup truck? Yeah, or? I think it'll self-bleed. I think it's got a continuous flow reservoir surge yeah. tank. Yeah, pickup yeah, truck does. The kinds that have surge tanks on them will generally bleed themselves out, so all the air will come out. You just may have to let it run for a while, let it cool off, go back and recheck and add some more. But it should self-bleed. Really pretty easy thing. Just make sure you use a good grade of coolant. I like to buy it from Ford. I use the Motocraft brand. And use distilled water, pre-mix it before you put it in there. Okay, man. All righty. I uh, appreciate it. Okay, Thank Bill. You. All right, sir. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. And we're going to our phone lines with Mary Louise. Good morning, Mary Louise. Good morning. Good morning. I've been listening to your show more than once. Well, thank and you. And I need some advice sure, about whether to fix my four-year-old Buick okay. or to buy a new car. Okay. Could I come in and talk to you all about it? Yes, ma'am. What I would recommend, Mary Louise, we get this question an awful lot because right. an awful lot of folks are in the exact situation that you are. What I recommend we do is what we call a general inspection. Uh-huh. And what we do is we go through the car, and we're going to check literally hundreds of different things that give problems. And the things that we check kind of varies from car to car because some cars we know have certain pattern failures. We'll yeah. look for those things on those cars. 
for instance, it, it, what kind of Buick is it, ma'am? It's a Century. Okay, Buick Century. four years old. Okay, well, on that one, we would look to make sure the intake manifold is not leaking because that was a problem on those cars, and it's a fairly yeah. expensive repair. Well, all right, but you'd look at it first to see. We do. Because I heard it on the last show I listened mm-hmm, to. Mm-hmm. said a four-year-old car will begin to have problems. Not necessarily. The age of the car is sort of like saying a 60-year-old man will have problems. Well, you well know, I, some did, will. I did hear that, and it's stuck in my mind. Yeah, some my... will and some won't. What I generally advise folks to do is when they buy a car, to buy a three- to four-year-old car because those have reached maximum depreciation. I see. But, you see, there's oh, no reason that that car, it's a 2006 model. It's an 03. 03. Okay, well, it's seven years old then. Actually, eight. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) But even eight-year-old car doesn't necessarily have to have problems. A lot depends on the way it's been taken care of up to this point. Just like my mother is 89 years old, and she can outdo most people who are 60 because she's taking good care of herself. So some cars do have problems, but again, if you ever worked in a new car dealership, the first thing you're going to find out. Well, the dealership keeps sending me things that I need Well, absolutely. Well, Sure. They're going to make 35000 bucks. <laughs> of course, they're going to keep telling you that. They say it needs this and that, probably. Because well, I, what I would suggest, Mary Louise, bring the car in. Let's do a general inspection. I may do that inspection and say, hey, it's time to bail on this car. Because, then, because sorry, I found. I get that. I, I say, I may I'm che- 90 years old. Oh, well, bless your heart. Uh, I may check the car and say, well, yeah, it is time to get rid of it because it's got this problem, this problem, this problem, I this see, problem. Yeah. That's but, just what I want to know. But well, I may I check and say, in. no, the car is just fine. Do I and need an appointment? It would be best, too, because we do stay well, real busy. give me your busy. phone number. I can't find you in the phone book. Okay, it's 291-69. Two, wait a minute. 291 Yes, ma'am. If you call, my wife will answer the phone, Elaine, and she will set you up an appointment, and we'll get you in and check that car and see where oh, you're Oh, that's staying. wonderful. I'm glad I turned the radio on at the right time. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. All right. Bye-bye. bye-bye. Hi, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Ivan online. Good morning, Ivan. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. You were talking a while ago about the automobile leaning. Yes, sir. And that started to train the thought. Okay. Say, hey, look, I've had several of them, and, and I've bought them new, and I've bought them used, and, and as time goes by, they'll lean a little tiny bit. Some will. Now, you see, Ivan, anything less than about a half an inch or 13 millimeters side to side is considered within factory tolerance. In other words, they don't build them precisely the same. Yeah, So if if you read the article, it'll show you where to measure it. If you're measuring side to side and you have an excess of 13 millimeters or a half inch, which is about the same thing, then you've got a problem. Anything less than that, you know, a quarter inch is pretty much normal. If you you go out in the parking lot and start measuring vehicles, you're not going to find hardly any of them that are going to be precise. And a couple things you got to do. Before you start measuring, obviously, make sure you got the right amount of air in all four tires and make, make sure, sure you got the same size, size tires correct. and all that kind of stuff. But anything more than a half inch is generally considered a problem. But why? I mean, well, well, not, not why probably, is it a problem. What causes this? Well, it's probably about 200 different things. you got to read the article to find all that out because I ain't got time to go through it all. But you can oh, have a okay. weak spring. You can have a twisted chassis. You can have uh, even some bent or worn parts on the car can make it lean. Oh, I see. A shock I absorber you. cannot make a car lean under normal conditions. There's a worn-out shock cannot make the car lean no, because no, a I shock only that. complies to the height that the springs put it at. Right. But you can't have a shock. Well, but you can't have a shock that binds up. 
And we do see that occasion, like one of the rear shocks will bind, which will hold the back corner up, which will make the front corner dip. So there's probably about a half a dozen things, dozen things that will make them lean. One of the most common things we see, Ivan, is a twist in the chassis. And what happens, someone rolled off in a ditch or something with one of their wheels, or maybe the car was wrecked at one time, maybe they hit a big giant pothole, maybe they had the car towed improperly. But it's not that difficult to twist the chassis on a car. I'm and sure they'll, they'll go to lean. And most time, Brian can tell you, that's the work he does. But we'll get them in. they got four new springs on them, four new shocks on them, and they're still leaning. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then, now they decide to come and figure out what's wrong with it. We put it there and untwist it, and bam, it's sitting straight again. Okay, that gives me enough to think about that. I think I can understand. All, all right, right, Mr. Ivan. De- de- definitely go to the website and check out that article. Yeah, nice article. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Doug on the line. Good morning, Doug. All right. Good morning. I'm yes, sir. Talk. Yeah, you go. Okay, let's got a few questions. Can, Can I ahead. ask them? Sure. All right, the first one is you talk about if you drive through some high water down the road, it's going to mess up, you know, bearings especially and this and that. It can, and yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, what about if I just heard this program say I just drove through high water, now I hear this program today, now, can I not go in before it does its damage and tell you what I did and see if you can go in and, like, re-glube it? Or well, the, the problem that you're going to have with that theory, Doug, is that almost all of your wheel bearings today are non-serviceable. Mm-hmm. They're sealed. Uh, the only okay? ones I've ever dealt with are, like, the old ones. I've well, but there was about 10 million times. cars since then, and they're all non-serviceable. You cannot take them apart. You can't get that. into it. I did not know that. Well, right now, I have, <laughs> a, now I have an 04 Ford pickup. Well, uh, that one's probably, that that one's probably that non-serviceable. One's, some of those have serviceable bearings. Some don't. Depends on what. Back which, when I was, uh, you know, 20, 1980 and all that, well, I had oh, yeah. cars. Doug, everything you ever know, you can forget that, tear it up, throw it away, man. Everything's okay, changed. So Everything's so different now. If I went through a puddle yesterday, I didn't, but I'm just trying to say this yes. for other people that might have. Yes. That differential, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cannot bring it in now trying to prevent. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That would be the best thing to do. Yeah, bring okay, it in, and you can service the rear differential. You can service the transmission, although once water that. gets in the transmission, it's pretty much too late already. Right, because all you, the, the glue that holds the, the clutches. Day, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah, once yeah. water gets on transmission, all the clutches uh, are water-soluble. And- okay, next question, next question. I had a yeah, eight, 1986 brand-new trail uh, Blazer, S10 Blazer four-wheel drive, mm-hmm. released back in 86, mm-hmm. and I drove that in a Las Vegas flood, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. It had four inches in one day, and that was their yearly rainfall. Mm-hmm. And it was flooded everywhere, and I was driving people all over, driving mm-hmm. all the way through it. And then I had that for another four years, yeah. and nothing ever happened yeah. to that beat. You got lucky. You got lucky. That's it. Uh, <laughs> Some people do. Yeah, most people one don't. More question. Got one more question. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, I... Yeah, 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 yeah. What kind of vehicle that you can you buy that... that, that none of them. None of no, none of them are designed to go through high water. Even a Hummer will, you can know, we get those in quite frequently with the Barons out and the rear ends out. And you know, if a Hummer can't take it, there's nothing else that's going to do it. Hey, we're up against a break. We've got to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more. Ah, yes, Mr. Bigfoot. Huh? Make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out. 
I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then, I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car into Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. They can even catch small issues that could lead to big, expensive problems down the road. An Agco general inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's Agco's number. And the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. the Automotive Hour. <laughs> I'm your host, Louis Alves, and Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. You just go ahead and give us a call. We've got Bruce on the line. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Hey, Good morning, doing, sir? sir. How's it going over Doing there? great, sir. You ought to be outside on the public <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. I will be. Okay. i got a question. First of all, let me make a comment. Mm-hmm. I've got an 04 Grand Marquis. Mm-hmm. In the owner's manual, which I read every now and then okay. when I don't have anything else to do, okay. it tells you do not jack that car up in the center of the rear end. Mm-hmm, that's right. Well, I always thought that it was because maybe it was the housing was a little weak or whatever, but I did it once, and I bent the cover. It sticks a yeah. little below right. the house. That's it's right. got an aluminum cover I, on it. Well, whatever it is, it yeah. bent it, and yeah. it would drip every yeah, now and then. Yeah, it will. I had to have it fixed, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, I don't work on them things anymore. Mm-hmm. My question is, the grease in it, or oil, mm-hmm. had a greenish tint is that normal could be some of, yes sir some of them have a fluorescent dye in them and what they do when they build the cars they put just a hair of fluorescent dye in a lot of those parts and before they deliver the car it runs over a machine with a scanner that has it can pick up that dye and just make sure there's no leaks under the car Oh, okay. Yeah, I have seen some of them with that, like a almost a greenish tint to it, but that should be 75W90 synthetic in that one. A lot of vehicles now take 75 140. A lot of your Fords do. A lot of your Chryslers do. They've actually well, this, gone is to, a, this is old four model. Yeah, probably right. 75W90 uh, synthetic. Uh, well, that's, what, uh, that's what was on the computer anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's uh, all I wanted to know. And, uh, okay, so- just to let you know that I still don't have a, a cell phone. Uh-oh. Hey, <laughs> me and you bought probably the last few guys in America. Yeah, we might need to go fishing or something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and break down. <laughs> All That's right, a chance you, I have to take. Yeah, you would. I spent a few nights in a swamp now. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, right, sir. Now. Bye-bye. Of course, fortunately, I can fish in my backyard, so if I break down, don't matter. I just walk, walk back to the house and <laughs> get me a bologna sandwich and a beer, and I'm in good shape. You know? There you go. Advantage of having a lake in your backyard. Let's go back to the phones with Janice. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. Yes, Good ma'am. Morning. A few months ago, I called you about the coolant in my car. Okay. And you gave me the right, in, right information. Okay. I brought it to the shop. Mm-hmm. The guy filled it with coolant. He, he did the necessary work. Okay. But the confusion I have is they filled it to the almost to the top where the coal line is. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, kept going back down. Okay. Coolant kept going back down. They had changed the manifold. They put it on the pressure thing. Mm-hmm. We brought it back a couple of times, and it still kept going down. Mm-hmm. So the last time, she said, I think that we're overfilling it. 
how much coolant should you put in that 2004 Chevrolet? Well, it's going to be filled to the cool line when it's cold, and it's going to go up to the high line when it's hot. But yeah, overfilling but see, it is not going to you're not going to make it lose coolant at all. Okay. Well, what it is if it's going down still, you still got a leak. The coolant reservoir mm-hmm. has a narrow pointing yes. all the way down. Two of them. Yes, as a high and a low, or a cold and a hot. Right. Okay. And it's going to fluctuate between those two. Because when the coolant right. gets hot, it expands. So it's going to go up. When it gets cold, yeah. it's going to contract and it's going to go back down. No, but, I understand that. But way at the bottom of the reservoir, mm-hmm. there's, uh, is that where it's supposed to be or at the top? No, it's, when it's cold, it's about, a, about an inch or so well, up on the side, and it's going to say cold on it. And sometimes we like to overfill them. Yeah. It's not going to hurt anything as long as it doesn't get hot enough to expand and boil out the cap. Right. Being overfilled is not going to hurt it. Right. And it definitely will not make it go down. Right. So if it's still going down below the cold mark and you're filling it to the cold mark, you still got a leak. Well, I think what I, we looked in the manual, and... There's a white arrow pointing way at the bottom mm-hmm. of the, the reservoir. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Is that where it's supposed to be? If it's cold, it's, yes. It'll say cold on the reservoir. It's written the on bottom, there. It's, it's no, it's not way at the bottom. Inches. It's about an inch off the bottom. Pardon? It's about an inch or so off the bottom. So? Yes, ma'am. Oh, so that's where it's supposed to be, not way up at the top where the writing is. Well, at the top, it'll say hot, and it'll have another line. And that's when it's hot where it should be. But regardless of where you put it, it's not going to make it go up or down. Yeah, you can't overfill it. It's not going to hurt it. The worst case scenario, just ball out the cap. Oh, you you can't overfill it. No, not really. I mean, so you, you can. Lose, it'll spit out whatever it doesn't want. It's not going to hurt anything. Okay, so we we just have a lot of confusion with that. We couldn't figure out if the coolant needed to be way at the bottom mm-hmm. when it's cold, and when it's hot, when it, it goes up to the top. Okay, but don't fill it all the way up to that top line at the top of the reservoir. Not when it's cold, no. Because when it expands, it's going to lose. It's going to go out the cap. The cap's going to open up, and it's going to run out on the ground. Okay. Well, obviously, we have too much in it right now. Will that hurt anything? Not at all. No, not at all. Not at all. As long okay. as it's not boiling out the cap and running out yeah, on the ground. Yeah, it's good. It's not going to hurt it. A you, bit. Know, you have some concern of antifreeze on the ground for animals and things of that nature. You don't want to do it. No, I don't have that. But it's, if it's not boiling out the cap, no, right. it's not too much. Correct. Okay. It's not precise. It's not rocket science. I mean, as long as it's in that between those two lines somewhere, you're good. Okay. All right. When it's hot. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. If you want to be part of the automotive, we'd love to have you. And we've got Brandy online. Good morning, Brandy. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. Good morning. I had my tires rotated, and now one tire won't stay fully inflated. I keep them at about 34, and it Uh keeps going down to 27. I called Uh the dealership, Uh and they told me, oh, you must have run over anything, but I can't see a nail. So. And it happened right after I had them rotated. Yeah, so, I would think that's probably coincidental, Brandy. I can't think of anything they could possibly do rotating tires on, that would make it lose air. Yeah. I mean, all they do is taking the whole wheel tire assembly off, moving to a different position. Probably got some type of a puncture, and some can be very, very hard to see. What type of vehicle are we talking about, Brandy? A Jeep Grand Cherokee. Now, there's one possibility. If they aired the tires up when they rotated them, which is possible, sometimes little cores can stick down, and that will leak there. Also, make sure that they put all of the little caps back on your valve stems. You know, mm-hmm. that, that little cap that screws on there? Because yeah. the cap is the actual seal. The core only holds air in while you're inflating it. It's possible they could have went to check the air and not put the caps back on, and that would make them leak like that. Okay, great. Thank you so much. All right. Thank all right. you, ma'am. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All 
Hi, everyone. Before the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. We're going to take another quick little break, but hey, we'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. So lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh, my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. But you, Denise, you're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end. I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run. Ooh, with the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. <laughs> Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. Got my lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And that'll get you right straight up to the top of the list. And we got Mike on the line. Good morning, Mike. How you all doing? Doing great, Good sir. Good morning, sir. Not anything about motors or transmissions or whatever, but about tire okay. tread depth. Okay. What's the measurement on tire tread depth that tells you you need new tires? Two thirty seconds. Two thirty seconds. Yes, sir. Okay. Right. That is across the tread. You gonna have and a the tread wear... runs one way. The wear bar is going to run across oh, that so at a lower height. When the wear bar shows equal to the tread, that is two thirty seconds. So that's just a handy little measure. You know, what I'm talking about a wear bar. Yes, sir. A little, little raised spot within the tread. When that hits flat, where it forms a line across the tire, it's legally worn out. And right, I'm gonna, I don't generally like to push mine quite that far. I'm going to throw something at y'all just so maybe as a warning for some people or what have you, I'm sure you know. I bring my car to a dealer to get the oil change and the tires rotated. Mm-hmm. I'm call, I, I get a phone call saying that I need new tires. Mm-hmm. I know I don't need new tires, okay? I need four new tires. Well, don't need them, and I tell them I want them rotated anyway. Well, see, too, Mike, there are other things that can happen to a tire other than just the tread depth. Right. He may be talking about well, the age of the tire. I was giving a tread depth reading off of it. What was it? Four point something, okay? Well, that's not considered worn out, but, again, if the tire is more than six years old, they would well, not rotate them. So I take it to a reputable tire dealer, and mm-hmm. my worst reading is 6.20. Hmm, yeah. I didn't need tires. I just want. You got to be careful. Yeah, I guess that could happen, Mike. Yeah, I don't think that kind of stuff happens that often because most shops got more work than they can handle. Ain't got no business trying to sell anything else. But you just got to watch. I've had people. You had a lady come in to me, an elderly lady who had a two thousand mile Toyota Camry that had thirty thousand miles on it. And she was fixing to go see her daughter in Florida, so she says, "Check the car." I checked the car. Tires ten years old. So I told her she had to have tires on it. Well, right. she says, go ahead and order them. And she goes home, talks to her neighbor. Well, neighbor says, I'm just trying to sell something. Don't, you don't need no tires. So she calls back, cancels. I said, well, ma'am, I said, I'm not trying to sell you tires, but I, just, I suggest you do get those tires changed before you get on the road. So she tires. takes off. She makes it halfway to Bluffs before the first one blows out, tears the side yeah. of her car up. So right. I'm just saying Definitely. there's all kind of ways to check tires. 
appreciate. Typically, forty-two thousand miles on a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Does the rear end need to be what? How should it? At what point is the service on? Well, it depends on how you're using it, Mike. If you're towing with it, it'd be probably pretty close. If you're not towing anything, it should still be okay. Okay. I think Jeep recommends around sixty under normal conditions. When All you're right. towing, they're recommending closer to about thirty on it. I got you. All righty. Appreciate it. Okay, Mike. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. I remember you want to be part of the automotive hour. We'd love to have you. That's a good point about tires because I've seen that a lot. And what happens, tread wear out is certainly one way that a tire goes bad. Right. But they also have an age, and they can get dangerous and still look real good. Oh, yeah. That vehicle we had the other day was a 98 Buick. Yeah. Still had the original Original tires tires on on it. They look brand new. Oh, yeah. If you don't put a lot of miles, that's particularly a problem, say, on motorhomes and travel trailers because the average person probably only puts a couple thousand miles a year on their motorhome or travel trailer. Right. I know some people put a lot more, but four or 5,000 miles a year is, is a lot of use. And so a big old 10, 12-ply tire that's five years old may only have 25,000 miles on those tires. They may look like brand new. But you get out there with a six, seven, eight-year-old tire, and you're asking for trouble. Oh, yeah. That gets, thing is dry rotted. And... All the glue that holds it together has gone bad, and it will come apart and hurt you or just as bad hurt somebody else That's on the right. road. You know, at the very least, you're going to be inconvenienced on the side of the road. Well, sitting there with a flat tire, That's and right. at the very worst, this thing comes loose, tears your truck up, and slides over into a lane and hits right. a family of three. We, we, we really got a problem now. Exactly. So, yeah, there's many, many ways, and a lot of times I've heard that, well, this guy's trying to sell me, da-da-da-da. Well, okay, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I don't know. But there's just lots of ways that things go bad. We see that a lot like with U-joints. Folks will come in all the time. I had a guy last week, actually, and loud clunk when you put it in gear, and a squeak, squeak, squeak. When I, so it sounds like a U-joint. No, I checked them. They're okay. There's no slack in them. I said, well, one way they okay, go bad. that's one way to go bad, but they also <laughs> seize up. And, I mean, we took these things out, and they were so bad that they were fixed to tear the transmission up. Oh, yeah. And he and another shop had just checked them and said they were okay. So there are multiple ways that things go bad. And I'm not saying trying to sell something that shouldn't be sold. That can happen, too. Obviously, that happens in every field. Right. But you got to know a lot uh, to check things nowadays. Serpentine belts are another thing. And when you put that article on the website, a lot of folks are used to looking at a serpentine belt. And when it's cracked up, they say it's bad. Well, that's great. That's one way to go bad. But they also wear out and don't crack. Because the new belts are EPDM, and they're not ever going to crack. That's right. 100,000 miles, they don't have a crack in them. They're just going to wear they out. They'll wore slam out, and they burn your air conditioning compressor up. So to save a $40, $50 belt, you're buying an $800 air conditioning compressor. Well, and, the, and the thing <laughs> about it is some shops don't know about that yet, and they keep throwing air conditioning compressors on it. Many, 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 many shops do not know that, and they do not have the gauges to check them, and they're still checking them the way they checked belts years ago. Right. Because if you mention EPDM, they don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know because they call me all the time <laughs> and ask me what the hell I'm talking about. There you go. So, yeah, there are many ways that things go bad, and a better technician is more likely to spot these things. A more up-to-date technician can spot things that another guy may not. We had a guy a while back, someone had told him he needed to put spark plugs in his car. And he says it still runs fine. The guy's just trying to sell me something. I said, no, 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 it's going to run fine. Oh, yeah. It's because, going to run fine until it quits. Well, when that computer notices a lack of power or a misfire or whatever, it's going to just increase the duty cycle on the coils. So what happens, it's going to run just fine, but you can see the duty cycle on the coils. So now you're going to melt eight coils at 200 bucks a piece to save 
yeah. $50 set of spark plugs. Exactly. So, yeah, there's many ways, and a lot of times a better technician is going to spot things that a lesser technician has no idea about. And you, you might get the impression that he's just trying to sell you something. Right, right. So you've got to do a little homework well, and Well, do some understand. homework or have a trust factor there. But uh, if not, go somewhere like on our website and go, or Google it and whatever and, and try to find out. If you just go out and Google on the net, you're going to get you know, opinions oh, yeah. from all kinds of people. So all you right. get more confused than you ever were before. So find a good, reliable source of information. Or just like this gentleman here just did, just call somebody who knows and, and ask them. And that way you can straighten out a lot and actually save yourself a whole lot of grief in many cases. Let's go back to our phone. I've got Sean on the line. Good morning, Sean. Hey, guys. I've got a 99 Ford F-250 okay. 7.3 diesel. Uh-huh. And I, I ran out of fuel, and my gauge was showing a little bit over a quarter of a tank. Okay. And when I filled it up, it only took thought maybe something was wrong with the gauge. But when I filled it up, it only took about 17 gallons. Okay. Mm-hmm. It still had some in there. Just wondering what the problem may be. A number of things can cause that, Sean. The pickup could be broken on the pump where it's not uh-huh. going all the way to the bottom of the tank. you got to watch, too. A lot of times those tanks will get bent. You know, something you run over something with it, and mm-hmm. something will dip the bottom of that tank in. And it's a big old long tank, a subtle bend. You may not really notice it, but it'll definitely change the way that that thing reads. Okay. But that's almost always going to be something like that. Now, there is also a possibility that the gauge is malfunctioning and just reading wrong. That can happen as well. And if you've got forward scan tool, like we've got a forward IDS, I can actually go in and command it to a quarter tank, three quarters of a tank, one tank, you know, whatever, and I can see if the gauge is reading properly. So you might have the gauge verified. They don't go out often, but they do go out occasionally. But a lot of times something in the sender unit can hang up. A little piece of wire on that sensor in there can break, and it just holds it up when it gets to that point so it doesn't drop any further, and it just goes in and runs out of gas. There's all kinds of things that happen like that. Okay. So or or t- the pump could actually broke loose from the bracket, and it's, it's floating up higher than it should be in the, in the fuel. So even though you've got fuel in the tank, it runs out. You know, there's lots of things like that. You can have a pinhole in the the hose the that goes between the pickup and the tank, and it's sucking air when it gets above. You know, when it's full, when it's under the fuel, it doesn't make any difference. But when it you know, gets above that point, you know, the fuel drops below that point, it starts sucking air, so it'll it'll just like running out of fuel. More, more than likely, it's probably something with the pickup. pickup C- could too, very but... well be, yes, sir. Okay. All righty. All righty. Thank you, man. Bye bye. Hi, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Terry online. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. Yes, sir. I have a '96 Toyota Corolla. Okay. You know the brake lights are stand on. Okay. When I looked inside the car, I noticed it had some plastic pieces on the floor. Mm-hmm. I assembled it together and made like a circle between the size of a nickel and a quarter. Yes, sir. It's probably that little contact button that stick in the pedal where the brake pedal comes up. It hits a little plunger type switch that turns the lights off. And they don't want it hitting on that metal because it wear the contact out on the switch, so they don't want it hitting on the pedal. So what they got is a hole there, and it's a little button that goes in. It's made out of rubber, and that's what contacts a switch. Now, what happens on an older car like that is that rubber will dry rot. It can break and fall out. Now, when the pedal comes up, the plunger of the switch goes right through that hole, so it thinks the pedal's still pushed, and your brake lights will stay on. Of course, it'll run your battery dead and all that. But what you might want to do is just run by a Toyota dealer and tell them you want that little chit that goes in the brake pedal that pushes the brake light switch off. Take them to pieces yeah. since you got them and right. show them 
this is what I found on the floor of right. my car. Right, and any good and dealer is going to know what you're talking right. about. But real easy, Terry. You just got to kind of lay on your back and crane your neck up under there, but it just sticks in a little hole in the pedal, and it just catches a, that. Well, it just depends on how big a man you are. <laughs> That's right. Because I can tell you, getting in some of these cars is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen that. Uh, what is that? Do you know what that part is called? Probably the brake pedal, plunger, or cushion, or something like that. If you just tell them what it does, they should understand and, and know what you're talking about. That's fairly common, particularly on Jap cars. Uh, we see it a lot. See it on the Hondas a lot. See it on Toyotas a lot. All right, Only because you. they last so long. See it on Chevrolet. It's in the junkyard by the end. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Uh, okay, All man. Right. Bye-bye. All right. You want to be part of the automotive? Right, we'd love to have you. Yeah, 96. Little, little stab there, Chevrolet. <laughs> well, Chevy truck probably still be, do, still be out there kicking. Chevy car, I don't know. <laughs> not, not so much, you know. And actually, I'm kind of lying there because a 96 model Chevy truck, you'd probably still be oh, running yeah. as long as Toyota would. But, oh, definitely. Uh, now, you get to a 2008, and uh, eh. yeah, <laughs> we'll know in a few years. Yeah, well, one of uh, our good, good customers got a fleet of trucks, and they're all 08s and 09s. Had one come in there. Guys, man, my air just quit working. I was smelling something funny, and it quit working. So I'm hoping it's just like a wire burned up or something. Man, we check it, and absolutely no refrigerant in it at all. Put some in, right out the evaporator core. Yeah. Man, 80,000 miles, yep. evaporator core, entire dash, steering column, Everything oh, yeah. has got to come out of this truck to fix this thing. That's right. When you get done taking it apart, you can see the back of the firewall. That's right. Well, you call the dealership and say, have you got this evaporator core? You've got eight of them in stock. <laughs> I wonder why. Okay, there you go. <laughs> and what occurs to me, the 99-2006 models uh-huh. never, ever damaged the evaporator cores. Right. I mean, I can't tell you I've ever put one in one. I know. So why don't you just use that core? <laughs> yeah. well, hey, somebody guy. had to have something to do. Yeah, I guess so. You know, hey guys, I tell you, why don't y'all fix that clunking noise in the steering car if you need something to do? Yeah. Or, or those rear axle seals that leak, or transmission that breaks every eighty thousand miles, and leave the daggum evaporator core that works <laughs> fine and the brakes that work fine alone. Yeah. Because you had that figured out, and now you got it all messed up again. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I guess I shouldn't complain. It's just job security. Oh, it is. <laughs> it is. It's just a shame that everyone that rolls in the door, you can just about write it before it hits the shop. Well, and that's right, and just. Aggravating to me, we see this on Fords a lot too. 56,000 miles, air compressor's gone. Yeah. Just crazy, man. Yeah, I know. Hey, you want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning, every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour? I'd like to tell all our podcasters, thank you for listening this week. That's right. Tell everybody you can and get as many listeners as we can. That's right. And of course, you can send us an email anytime you want. We'll be glad to get you answers to any particular questions you might have. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.